0: All right, we will turn our attention to the book of Zechariah, book of Zechariah. Thank you for praying for one another, and I know it's important for us to come together even though uh, we uh, cut our Bible study a little bit short, that's okay, we need to pray for one another, we need to be able to share our requests, sometimes we share requests privately uh, that we don't share publicly, and so it's good for us to come together and to share our requests, share our burdens, and pray for one another. I know that uh, we are uh, sorrowing. I know we sorrow with hope. Uh, we, we don't sorrow as the unbelievers do. Uh, but there are going to be a lot of opportunities over the next few weeks for us to share the gospel, both through the memorial services, also with family gatherings. But as you know, Jerry Vector was a bus driver for Lafayette Limo, and he had a good testimony there, and there's going to be a, a fairly big group, it sounds like, uh, coming from Lafayette Limo uh, that will be here on Saturday, from what Diane has told me. And, uh, of course, most of them will be unsaved, and so what a great opportunity. I know that she's burdened for some family members who, who will definitely be at the memorial service uh, in Wisconsin, and then I know Tracy shared, Tracy and Kim shared that their burden. For some family members that will be here for the memorial service for Arnie on the 30th. And so let's continue to pray for the Lord to give us opportunities with the gospel and for God to work in hearts. We'll spend a couple of Wednesday nights on the book of Zechariah and intermingling our Bible character series with a little bit of a Bible study of the book of Zechariah. And this is a another minor prophet, but 14 chapters. So a lot Uh, bigger than some of the other uh, minor prophets with 14 chapters. But if uh, you struggle a little bit to find the book of Zechariah, it might be easier to go to Matthew and then back up a little bit, or maybe you just pull it up on uh, your device. But uh, we are looking here at this minor prophet who his ministry overlapped and was really in conjunction with the prophet we looked at last week, Haggai. Haggai and Zechariah, in a sense, tag-teamed in this ministry post-exile as the Israelites are returning to the Promised Land, to Canaan, to Israel, and they are beginning to rebuild the temple, and then they face opposition, and they quit. And the temple lies for 16 years without any work being done. And God sends Haggai and Zechariah to minister to the people and to encourage them to get, get busy for the Lord in the Lord's work to build the temple, to rebuild the temple. And there are prophecies, and there is mornings of judgment, there's calls to repentance, there's comfort and consolation that these prophets have in their ministry and in their message. And uh, though they are considered minor prophets, and we often think of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, yet Haggai, Zechariah, they have uh, tremendous ministries and were used greatly of the Lord uh, in a great way. And this is the temple that is being rebuilt. That will be the temple that Jesus Christ will walk in that will later in AD 70 be destroyed by the Romans, but nevertheless, this temple will be the temple that Jesus will walk in, will minister in, and he will preach in, and so how important this rebuilding is. And there's, I know, uh, soteriological, uh, and there's symbolism, and so much that could be said. We'll just be able to do a brief overview in the next uh, couple of Wednesday nights. I know this chart, again, is hard to see, but we're down here. Jeremiah's ministry began before the exile, 70 years of captivity, and now Jeremiah again has some ministry after the exile, but then Haggai, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, and we're in that 586 to 450 B.C. time frame. So again, for a little bit of review, because of the overlap with Haggai, there is uh, it's, an, it's good for us to go back and do a little bit of review uh, from last week. We'll just quickly put these up on the screen to remind us of the background and the historical setting. 538 B.C., Cyrus, as Isaiah had prophesied literally 100 years before, had spoken the very name of the king who would give the decree for Israel to be able for the Jews to be able to return From what is generally known as the Babylonian captivity, though it continued into the Medo Persian Empire, and Cyrus, being the Medo Persian emperor, he was the one in 538, by obviously the Lord working in his life, in his heart, he was the one who gave the decree for the Jews to return to the promised land, their homeland. The land that they occupy right now, but they only occupy a small percentage of what God even promised to give Israel when He gave Abraham the Abrahamic Covenant. But from what Craig Hartman explained in the the um, what was it? It was a a radio broadcast, a podcast, and he I did not realize this until he said it. But Israel right now only has ten percent. Of the land that the British Declaration, the Balfour Declaration, the British Mandate had originally given them. They're down to 10%. They have a landmass that is about the size of New Jersey. And yet they're considered the colonialists. And I'm going to get carried away if I say too much more. But this is their land they're returning to. That God had promised them, that they had conquered, that God had blessed them with. And they're rebuilding the temple there in Jerusalem, and they get delayed. We know the first group came 536 BC with Zerubbabel and Joshua. There were about 50,000 Jews who returned, so a good number. And then they face opposition and begin to, or they become lazy and fearful and indifferent they're building their homes planting their vineyards planting their crops but the temple of god is lying there dormant un- unfinished 16 years later after it sat for 16 years god sends haggai and zechariah they prophesy and they preach regarding the need to finish the temple and to reprioritize their spiritual lives and then 516 bc the temple is completed and again, this is the temple that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, would walk in uh, many years later. Herod would add to the temple. Herod would uh, do some work on the temple. But this is the temple uh, that uh, Jesus would walk in. So we, we come to Zechariah. Hag- Haggai and Zechariah, again, contemporaries. Zechariah is a common name. Twenty-nine men are given the name Zechariah in the Old Testament. But we're speaking of the one, Zechariah, of course, who wrote this book by the inspiration of God. His name means the Lord remembers. And though it's considered a minor prophet, he was second only to Isaiah in the number of Messianic references. We don't realize that. We often think of, again, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, but second only to Isaiah in the number of Messianic references. He was also a priest like Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And according to tradition, he was among the 120 chosen for the great synagogue, a forerunner of the Sanhedrin that was started, the great synagogue that is, was started by Nehemiah, led by Ezra, and there is some reason to believe that Zechariah was in that original 120 that eventually would become the Sanhedrin in uh, the New Testament, in the intertestamental period. He was born in Babylon, came to Israel with the first group of exiles, returning in 538, after Cyrus's decree in 538. So they would have, he would have been uh, returning in 536. The decree was 538. And this group, again, was under the leadership of Zerubbabel and Joshua, the high priest, And a little note from Zechariah 1 and verse 1, in the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, not Darius the mean, not the Darius of the the lion with with, uh, Daniel in the lion's den, but a different Darius, came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Iddo the prophet. So Iddo was his grandfather, Berechiah his father. So a little note there. And then his ministry began about two months after Haggai's, and of course, overlapped. So he's a contemporary of Haggai. He begins prophesying a couple months after him, which results in Zechariah kind of coming two months later and helping to keep the revival going that had started under Haggai's preaching. Haggai is preaching a strong warning and theme of repentance and spiritual priorities because they need to get busy in the work of the Lord in rebuilding the temple in keeping God as their priority and not going back into the sins that had caused them to be put in exile, put in captivity before And lest they become complacent and indifferent, and as we are so reminded frequently of the proneness of our heart to wander, Haggai is warning them, and he's calling them to repentance, calling them to reprioritize their lives, and then Zechariah comes two months later, and he continues with a little different emphasis but continues to encourage them in this work of the Lord. And we see then he prophesies into the future, of course, the future blessings from God for Israel, specifically in the person of the Messiah. And he told the people that this temple that they were rebuilding would be the temple the Messiah would enter and then in a Far fulfillment speaks of the temple and prophesies of the Messiah's second return and inhabiting the temple that we know of as the temple in the millennial kingdom. And then, of course, in the eternal kingdom, in eternity, God is the tabernacle. God dwells with men. There is no no need for uh, the temple uh, in, in heaven. And we know that there is a millennial, there's a temple in the millennial kingdom. And we won't go back and look at that chart uh, right now that that I put on the screen last week about the various temples. But it's nevertheless a prophecy of Christ's first coming, but also he projects ahead and looks into the uh, far fulfillment of Christ's second coming and the millennial kingdom and the temple that the Messiah would inhabit there. This book has also been nicknamed the Apocalypse of the Old Testament. Kind of interesting because we don't think of Zechariah as being an apocalyptic book. Usually we think of what book as the Apocalypse, the book, the, yeah, Revelation, exactly. But again, we don't realize this. Zechariah having the second most prophecies regarding the Messiah has among its themes so many references to the Messiah, to eschatology, prophecy, and to coming events in the first and second comings of Christ that it is considered the most apocalyptic, messianic, an eschatological book of the Old Testament. I'll try to say that ten times real fast. Apocalyptic, messianic, and eschatological. But fascinating to learn uh, that the book of Zechariah has such prophetic content and speaks so specifically to the Messiah and references uh, even events that are spoken of in the book of Revelation, Matthew 24 and 25. And So just uh, some good good background information for us to to know and understand. Think about it. There's going to be very soon 400 years of silence in the sense of the intertestamental period. There will be no new biblical revelation from the end of the book of Malachi to Matthew. So Zechariah being... One of the last prophets in the Old Testament. Think about what is coming for the world. Specifically the Jews for Israel. 400 years there would be silence. There would not be any new biblical revelation. What does Zechariah, being one of the last prophets, what does he emphasize in his message? The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. In in a sense, on the tip of his tongue at the end of his life, as he receives one of the last inspired revelations from God before there is that 400-year intertestamental period, what is on the ears of the people? The Messiah is coming. Be prepared for the Messiah. We're looking at Christmas And we're, what, 13 days, 12 days, 11 days, whatever it is now from Christmas. We know that Christ probably wasn't born on December 25th of the year 0 AD, right? We know that Christmas is a holiday that, yes, celebrates the birth of our Savior Jesus Christ. We don't know the exact day. Does Christmas get over-commercialized? Sure it does. Does it become way too much about Santa Claus and elves or elf? As most people um, will watch a particular movie this time of year. All the different gifts and presents and the 52 different versions on the Hallmark Channel of Christmas... Christmas out west, Christmas at home, Christmas, Christmas, I don't know, how many, you know what I'm saying, right? All the different Hallmark movies. And and, and it becomes all about that, right? And then all those silly Christmas songs. And we get annoyed going into the stores and we hear the same, and there are certain songs that my kids know that I am particularly annoyed by. And they hear me grunt and groan and I roll my eyes when I hear certain songs. And some songs, they're nothing but pop rock and cheap love, and they just throw in the word Christmas somewhere, right? And they call it a Christmas song. We get tired of all that stuff. We, we, We get tired of Amazon commercials, and I get really disgusted as I watch sports, and I see all these ridiculous liquor commercials, and they make it sound like you can booze your holidays away, and just have nothing but fun, and everything's going to be great because you can down what particular liquor that they're selling. And they don't give you the other side of the story, do they? But they make it sound like the holiday is all about having a drunken party. We have so much more and better reasons to celebrate Christmas, don't we? And Zechariah is pointing ahead long before. There was all this commercialization of Christmas long before Black Friday and Cyber Monday and all of the other things that we uh, get involved in. And, and again, I'm not saying everything about all this is wrong. I'm not saying if we buy presents, it's wrong. It's not my, it's not my point. But there can be a 100 different festivals, 200 concerts, and all the credit card bills to try to pay for all these wonderful Christmas presents, and we can miss the Messiah is coming. The Messiah has come, and is coming again. And Zechariah brings us, and we're going to come back next week, and we're going to look more specifically at the book of Zechariah, but we see Zechariah emphasizing, be prepared, the Messiah is coming, and right now there's a job to do. Build the temple, be busy for the Lord. Do we not have a job to do? Looking ahead to the second coming, do we not have some spiritual priorities that we need to keep right? Do we not have the responsibility to occupy till he comes, comes again? So these are going to be the three main areas that we're going to look at next week. We won't have time to uh, really get into uh, any any of them tonight. We're going to look at four specific verses uh, due to our time constraints, and we're going to see Christ as the perfect priest, the perfect king, and the perfect prophet. I know I've brought this up uh, several times in my preaching and teaching ministry, but There is such a longing for good leadership. I mean, we want godly leadership. We want God-fearing leadership. But we get so sick of the failures and the scandals and the evil of current leaders, government, even sadly among churches, we get so tired of it that sometimes we'll just say, just give me somebody who will do something right. <laughs> give me somebody who will just be decent. But we're, we're called to be godly leaders in our homes, in our places of workplace, and uh, on and on. We have responsibilities of influence for Christ as salt and light. But there is, in the world today, as there has been for millennia, a desire for godly leadership, for justice, for equity, for righteousness, and not this DEI stuff that we hear about all the time, but true justice, true righteousness, true holiness. They've not seen a perfect priest. There's been some good ones, but even Aaron made a golden calf, compromised with the people. There were Hophni and Phinehas who... As priests offered strange fire and were struck dead, we could go through the kings. Do we need to even begin talking about the kings and all the failure? None of the northern kingdom, none of those kings ever were said to have done right in the eyes of the Lord. Only a handful in the southern kingdom. Even David, a man after God's own heart, was an adulterer and conspired to murder. And then we can get to the prophets, great prophets, men of God, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Elijah, Elisha, Daniel. We could go on and on, but none of them were perfect. Even Jonah, who led a revival in the wicked city of Nineveh and over what? Over 180,000 people plus got saved. And what does Jonah do? Goes out and cries like a baby because his little vine dried up in the sun. He didn't even have a heart for the people he had just preached to. How sad. But there is a Messiah, Jesus Christ, who is the perfect priest, the perfect king, and the perfect prophet. And in the final days of the Old Testament, as Zechariah is preaching, he is going to give us the characteristics of this Messiah coming, who is the perfect priest, the perfect king, the perfect prophet. And we'll look at uh, a, few, a, few, a handful of those prophecies, uh, Lord willing, next week, but may we be encouraged to keep our eyes on the true Messiah as we await his second coming, and may we be faithful in what God has given us to do and what he's called us to do right now. Derek? I did not have that in my notes. I will look that up. Good question. You stumped the preacher. I didn't I didn't I didn't I didn't mark that in my notes. I will look that up though. Second most Messianic references, but I don't know the number. I'll look that up. Okay. So we'll give a prize to whoever <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I'll look that up though. Thank you for that. Let's close in prayer and then we'll be dismissed. Lord, thank you for bringing us together tonight. That we can pray for one another, that, Lord, we can be encouraged from your word. Uh, thank you, Lord, for uh, what you are doing in our midst. Lord, we're we're, we're hurting, uh, we're sorrowing, we're grieving in so many ways, but at the same time, Lord, we are comforted, we are assured. Uh, Lord, we are experiencing your grace and your peace. We continue to pray for Diane, for the Vector family, for Tracy and Kim, for the Holtz. Lord, we pray that you will just continue to give them your your peace your comfort pray for the memorial service on saturday that lord you will give us great opportunity to be a testimony to be a witness as we celebrate uh, jerry's life and as we give thanks lord to you for how uh, you used him saved him and how he served you so faithfully lord we pray for each of these different needs that uh, we have we give those to you pray for safety as we travel home thank you again for our time together give you the praise for it in jesus name Amen. All right. Have a great rest of the week. We'll see, I know, some of you on Saturday and and, uh, again on Sunday.